Step five, we are on page 72 of the big book. Step five is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrong. So going into step five, it's great to ask if I saw a couple of things in step four. One of the things I should have seen in step four is that every resentment that I have goes back to me not getting what I want. And if I think back to the last fourth step I did, or if you guys did a fourth step this week, I know I certainly had inventory that I wrote out and turned over this week that um, is absolutely every resentment about not getting what you wanted in a situation or from a person. And then do you see that every fear in the inventory goes back to being afraid you're either not going to get what you want, or if you have what you want, you're going to lose what you have. So that's kind of where we're picking up on page 72. Second line, we have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator and to discover the obstacles in our path. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. So ask each of those questions. Have you done each of those things? Have you admitted certain defects in step four? Have you ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is? what every resentment goes back to, what every fear goes back to. Have you put the finger on the weak items in your personal inventory? And hint, ascertaining what the trouble is, the answer is never going to be that other people are the problem. It just never is. And after we do many, many years of inventories, we can see that in the abstract, but I really still have to practice seeing that on a daily basis when I write out my resentments and fears. I still go into every inventory, kind of sort of thinking other people are gonna be a little bit of my problem. Again, huge promise. These are about to be cast out. So remember, we're moving from our way of being in the world, self-reliance, as we talked about in step three, to God-reliance. And in order to do that, the fifth step says we need more action. We have had, we understand, or the book tells us, we have to have a spiritual experience to get over our affliction, to stay sober. How do I know if I have had a spiritual experience? Well, another way to ask that question is, what is dominating my thinking? And the book says, way back in step one, leading into step two, we're going to flip back over to page 25, and don't worry, I'll put these page numbers in the chat. It says, back in step one, as we were preparing to step, take step two, that these men, these first hundred, had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. And the central fact of our lives is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered 
which is miraculous and has commenced to do things which we could never do for ourselves. That's a promise. Another promise is uh, two pages later on page 27. It says that these first 100, their ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men were suddenly cast to one side and a new set of conceptions and motives began to dominate them. So in step five, one of the things Elizabeth and I really focused on was this word attitude, because I really am preparing to do something that I've never done before, which is I'm preparing to give the entire kind of history of my life using the paradigm of the format that we're given in step four and present that to another person, having taken my time with myself and God and the pen and the paper in step four, but taking it to another person and say, here's, here's the thing, here's everything, right? So there's this emphasis on what our attitude is. So I'm gonna place something in your chat that is in Elizabeth's book, if you'll give me just a moment, and I hope it looks okay. These are six places in the book up to this point where the word attitude and the attitude we should have has been discussed. We're gonna take them one by one. So we're gonna go back to page 55, right in We Agnostics. And it says at the beginning, with this attitude, you cannot fail. So at the very bottom, before the beginning of the last paragraph, it says, if we can sweep away prejudice, if we can think honestly, and if we can search diligently within ourselves, we cannot fail in step two. And of course, step two is where we came to believe that we could be restored to sanity. On page 18, it says that when it's talking about the person who approaches us or the attraction of others in the room, it said, <clears throat> the person who is making the approach has had the same difficulty. She obviously knows what she's talking about. Her whole deportment shouts at the prospect that she is a woman with a real answer, that she has no attitude of holier than thou, a sincere desire to be helpful. So I, when I look at my helpfulness in the world, and this is great for me, who's like, let's be a service, let's be a service, gotta be a service, right? Service is great. Being helpful isn't the same as having a sincere desire to be helpful. And we'll revisit that in step, um, step eight as well, that sincere desire. And then page 19, at the very bottom, and this is a tricky one, and they put it really early in the book, it says, most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers, ex-problem thinkers, Al-Anon, compulsive eaters depend on our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. So why is this attitude theme so important? I have to have the right attitude 
in order to consent to have the spiritual awakening that the steps are going to produce. The attitude that I cannot fail is one that I have to practice. I really have to practice having the right attitude. But the book and, and you know, the, the collective experience of you guys tells me that if I can go into this fifth step with this attitude about other people's shortcomings, about my own intolerance, about a sincere desire to be helpful to the people that I've written about in my inventory and a sincere desire to be helpful to them, then with this attitude, I cannot fail. And they've really been preparing us for this all the way back in step one. And so I love that um, Elizabeth has this written in her book and I've now written it in mine. The other thing is, is if these, if I can answer, if I can answer honestly about these, these questions about my attitude, that means that I've been, I'm being transformed and I'm being transformed for a life from self-reliance to God-reliance. Um, the next thing I really love about this step is something I heard in my home group here in Houston, a, a wonderful man who has since gone to the big meeting in the sky, Augie would talk about how anytime I have a written inventory, it still contains delusion. So even though I've used the format that's given to me in the literature and I've, I have the, um, the right attitude, until I give my inventory to another person and sit together with that person, my inventory still contains my delusion. I'm still living in my perception. It's just been put in a spiritual format. And so the book talks about in step five that this is a life and death errand and that I may have held on to some of the worst items in my inventory, not realizing what they truly were and what they were costing me. So we talked last week about how I don't always know in my inventory what are saleable goods and what are not saleable goods. I need the reflection of another person, or sometimes I just need to read the inventory out loud with God and have that other person be a neutral witness who's just there to confirm that I've been transparent. So this life and death errand that we go on is because we need a spiritual experience which is a revolutionary change in our attitude in the way that we see and the way that we are in the world. We have to do this. We also find out in the fifth step when we're with another person, a trusted closed mouth friend or mentor, if we've been fearless and thorough as we were instructed to be in the fourth step. But then again, you know, the literature comes in to bail us out because at the bottom of page 75, we are given a quiet hour to commune with our creator after we finish being with another person. And so one of the things Elizabeth and I talked about is, so what if I wasn't fearless and thorough? What if I left something out? What if I did the best I could do in the moment and still something came up? Well, no worries. Because afterward, after I leave that, that trusted closed mouth friend, I'm going to sit and reflect on the work that I've done and the things that I've written. 
and I'll have an opportunity to re-examine them through the lens of knowing God better. But before we get to talking about that quiet hour, we're going to go through the promises of the fifth step in the middle of page 75 that starts with the paragraph, we pocket our pride and go to it. So if you did any inventory this week with your sponsor, afterward, were you delighted? Could you then look the world in the eye? Did your fears fall from you? Can you be alone at perfect peace and ease? Did you begin to feel the nearness of your creator? Did you go from having certain spiritual beliefs, but then begin to have a spiritual experience? Did you go from having a feeling that the drink problem or the thinking problem has disappeared? Is that often coming strongly? Do you feel that you are on a broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe? So in step two, we really simply had to believe, whether it was in a doorknob or that our sponsor believed or that the ocean made waves that we couldn't stop. But by step five, we are experiencing our beliefs because we followed the instructions up to this point to be unblocked by self. So before there was just this dry ditch that might get wet once in a while when it rained. But by step five, what's happened is there's a river flowing through that ditch because we have taken away all of the dry boulders and the sticks that were in that ditch that were keeping the water from being able to flow. And I'm gonna be able to feel that and tap into it. It's going to become real to me that I draw on it as a place of making decisions. A lot of what we talk about in the fifth step really is this feeling of getting emptied out and this sense of having taken out the garbage, right? Of, um, well, in step four, I've at least put the garbage in bags right? The, the apple cores and the avocado skins and the banana peels. You know, even if I'm eating good food, it's stinking up my house, right? If I don't take that stuff out. And um, which like just getting to eating good food, like hats off to you. Um, if you can make it, you know, from processed to fruit, like that's amazing. It still stinks up my house. And so, at least the garbage is in bags and I can tell what's recycling. You know, the fourth step has got me like, okay, the cardboard goes to the recycling place. The compost goes to the compost place. That's all great. But until I physically take it out of my house, it is still here and it's on me. And if you can think back to that first time you did a fifth step of like that just feeling of being on me, and my sponsor calls me this morning from the road. <laughs> she saw my inventory last night that I wrote. So um, in the spirit of transparency, um, I'm not gonna share the whole inventory, but I gave her this information. And what it really was is um, one of my best friends and I just got back from um, a, a space where my mother had been storing items in storage spaces for over 15 years. And she and I um, 
got very dirty and spent not the first time in the storage spaces clearing it out. And we were working against a clock. And what I said to Elizabeth was, every single person we came into contact with yesterday put up a roadblock and we couldn't get to the next step. We couldn't, so like company one didn't have the truck. So we drove 30 miles to the company where the truck was waiting and there was a truck, but no keys. And the man with the keys kept telling us he was five minutes away. Kendall and I were talking before the meeting and she had a day like this too. So I'm like, I don't know what Mercury's doing, but make it stop being in retrograde. Um, so we had a day like that. And so what I wrote on my inventory was people misled us and people didn't give us information we needed. And I almost wanted to be like, people lied to us. And so I, I, I looked at my instincts, my self-esteem, my pride. Um, I think they think I'm a fool. I think they think my time is wasteable. Um, security, I need companies and people to treat their customers a certain way for me to be okay. Ambition, I want these people to bend to my will at my immediate desire. And then personal relations. Adults should, companies should, subcontractors should, right? So I get to the fourth column, right? The fourth column of the, in each of these instincts, where am I being selfish? Which for me is making what they're doing about me self-centered, thinking that if they're different, then I will feel different. Dishonesty, which for me, a lot of times is not, um, you know, um, cash register dishonesty, it's delusion. It's delusion that other things, that things in the world should operate according to my desire for efficiency and my timeline. That is completely delusional. But that instinct is deeply embedded in me because I want what I want and I want it now. So Elizabeth called me this morning and, and she said, you know, she said, why couldn't you stop? And here's what's funny. Yesterday, I thought about that. I was like, we keep pushing, we keep pushing, we keep pushing. Why can't we stop? And Elizabeth was like, well, couldn't you go another weekend? Or couldn't you have just tried it a different time? And I was like, no, we had to do it yesterday. We had to do And she's like, why? And I explained to her why it was most efficient to do the way we did it yesterday. And she said, I just want to push back on this idea that somebody else was forcing you to do it the way that you wanted to do it. And I was like, no, it was me. I was the one that had decided it had to be this way and it had to be now. And so what I got to see in the inventory was all of these things that went wrong where people fell asleep on their job or didn't do things the way they were supposed to, where I can go leave a bunch of one-star reviews on whatever, you know, you know, um, search engine there is in the universe. And my ego would love that. Every single thing that a, another person did, even if they were wrong, I still made it about me. It still was about their doing this to me. That is the ism. Nobody is doing anything to me. They're out in the world doing it. They're just doing it. And then I take from that 
why are they getting in my way? Why are they doing this to me? So um, that's an example. Um, so now we're gonna go to the quiet hour. Um, it says returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. To me, that means uh, set a timer, uh, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our hearts that we know God better. So this is a great question to ask. After my fifth step, it's not necessarily about knowing me better, but I know God better. Like, don't I just feel so much more loved and so much more seen? Taking down this book from the shelf, we turn to the page which contains the first five proposals. So the first five steps. And then any place the book asks a question, Elizabeth does that as a prayer. So as I sit in the quiet hour, I ask the question, is my work solid so far? Are the stones of the arch that I'm gonna walk through a free woman properly in place? Have I skimped on the, found, on the cement put into the foundation? Have I tried to make mortar without sand? You know, and part of this knowing God better that comes out of the fifth step is now am I willing to make decisions differently based on what God has shown me in the fifth step did not work for me. I know God and me better now. I can use that or I can return to this very, very difficult life of powerlessness and self-will, powerlessness and self-will. I'm going to use my self-propulsion to overcome this feeling of powerlessness. So uh, last note that I wanted to make is um, on doing step five from the point of view of a sponsor rather than as a sponsee. So what I say to women I work with is I'm a neutral witness between what my sponsee is going to experience with their conception of a power greater than themselves. And I'm there simply to be able to confirm that they and their higher power are doing this errand for their benefit. Anything that's said there goes into a vault. And I also use a prayer that I was taught early, early on um, by my former sponsor's best friend is sometimes as a sponsor, we're gonna hear things in a fifth step that um, are very difficult um, for the sponsee to say and for the sponsor to hear. And so I say a seal me up prayer, which is God, please seal me up um, and protect me with neutrality from anything that I'm going to hear that was done to my sponsee, someone that I love unconditionally and want good things for, um, so that when I hear it, my feelings do not begin to take up the space or dominate the experience that she is supposed to have, because I want to not make what's happening about me. And of course, I also have step 10. So if I hear anything in that fifth step that I need to go do work on, it's really important that I do that. 
And, um, you know, and as Elizabeth and I shared, um, or as Elizabeth would share, we have actually begun to have this witness experience on our own with our own God, because we've begun to experience these promises that it talks about on page, um, page 75. And if I'm meditating by this point, I've begun to get accustomed to witnessing my own thoughts and their patterns and their, their obsessions. I've started to notice how it sounds up there. And, um, and having that witness experience in my own meditation practice or my own sitting practice means that I'm going to be able to really help a sponsee and be a witness to their experience in step five, which is really the proper, very humble, proper role. So as we go into our five minute meditation, which I'm going to set the timer for, um, I think today we'll meditate on the questions in the quiet hour, which are carefully reviewing the first five steps. We ask God if we've omitted anything from the work we've done since we want to be free. And is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? And as we, again, practice, the, our practice at this meeting is as you sit in the, in the silence and you ask the question, your mind will try to answer the question. And that's just what the mind does. So what we do is we just continue to return to the question. Like bringing the puppy back from the place they peed on the carpet to the pee pad. We're just bringing the puppy back. We're bringing the mind back to the question and we allow the mind to answer and do what it does. We witness and we bring back. Have a beautiful meditation.
That's five minutes. Thank you for meditating with me. 